It is the 200 level episode 151, Brett's big day, and it was a big day for Illinois football, introducing Brett Bielema as the next head coach, the 26th in program history, and I don't know if that's a lot or a little. I bet if you went to a school like Michigan or Ohio State, they'd be what, 12, 13 different coaches. So it probably does say something about our football program and its history that we have went through this many coaches, and I would love to think that our 26th coach will be here for 26 years. Probably not going to happen, but... I do have more optimism going into this tenure than I do, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty, than previous tenures. If you go back to the Lovey Smith thing, I think once the shine of that starstruck, oh, we know this guy, he's a famous dude, when that went away, there wasn't much to grab onto, especially in the way of how will he do at the college level. That was all unknown, and it didn't work out, of course. Ron Zook, I was excited. The recruiting was a big part of that, but we also knew that at Florida, he could only get them so far, and he wasn't really able to capitalize off of the Steve Spurrier thing. So we were kind of fingers crossed, hoping that it would translate to Illinois. Maybe Florida's just too tough. I don't know. I, I remember trying to rationalize that in my mind upon that hire, though I think there was reason to be legitimately excited. So as you look at the history of Illinois football hires in my lifetime, Mike White would have been well before that, six or seven years before I was born. He was, I believe, 35 and 30 at Cal. So a proven power five guy, John Makovic, same situation. I can't recall where he came from, but again, a proven commodity. And then since then, you haven't really gotten much in the way of a truly proven commodity at this level. Ron Zook, yes, three years at Florida. Tim Beckman, three years at Toledo. Ugh, anywho, that's not the same as what Brett Bielema did at Wisconsin. And the Arkansas thing, you could argue that, Carp, you're trying to rationalize a not-so-good tenure at Arkansas. I'm just saying, for what Arkansas is in the SEC, I think Illinois is similar to what they are in the Big Ten. Kind of the doormat. There were clearly issues at Arkansas, especially at the tail end of Brett Bielema's tenure over there. But at the end of the day, I would still take a 7-8-7 seven, and seven streak in three years. That's what we talk about all the time. I mentioned that on Saturday's podcast as I was trying to go down the list of concerns for Brett Bielema, and I think that there are legitimate ones. But at the end of the day, the pros versus cons list, the pros just seem to be so much longer than the cons list. And yes, we've heard all about character and this and that. We'll talk more about that later, kind of a continuation of what I started on Saturday. But I want to win. I think this guy can do it. And to be quite honest, if you want to talk about winning the press conference, and I don't know how many people tuned in during their lunch hour to watch it, but I was able to catch a, a little bit of it. I was impressed. And I went into it with fairly high expectations for someone that has been at this level, what was it, seven or eight years with Wisconsin and five for Arkansas. He's done this, even if it's been two or three years. But there was, I think, a genuine, sincere tone in his delivery. It didn't feel quite as, shall we say, phoned in like the Lovey Smith press conference where he said the right things, but we had all had so much experience with Lovey that I don't know how much we believed it. Call me naive. I believe Brett Bielema. I believe him when he says that this is an important job for him and that it means enough to him to try and make this into a winner, which of course any coach is going to say that. I understand that. And if I'm being fanboy carp here, I apologize. But there was a tone that he had that I don't think one can fake. I think he's genuinely grateful to get another opportunity at this level. Yeah, Illinois is not a football school by any measure, but it is still a Big Ten West gig, and he's not going to get Wisconsin again. He's not going to get Iowa anytime in the foreseeable future. So this is it. And 
he harped on the facilities for the time that I was able to watch that. He harped on the facilities quite a bit. He harped on the in-state connections that he has, as he should. And it does seem like, at least on this day, that we have reasons to be optimistic, not the least of which is mixed in with that sincere and gracious tone that impressed me today. He still has a swagger, and I'm okay with that. We need an edge. Lovey for <laughs> all the stoicism on the sideline, and it's great when you're winning. There wasn't much of an edge. The swagger that he, I thought he would bring, I should say, did not percolate down to the players and to the performance on the field. I think with Brett Bielema, that confidence and that swagger is necessary. And if you don't have it, you're not going to succeed here. Not to say Lovey wasn't confident, right? But I think there is a certain sort of personality and tenor that you need to kind of carry yourself with and how you speak that you need at a Midwestern school like Illinois. I know we use the word folksy. I've used it before. I went on a short diatribe about folksiness on the last podcast Saturday, but I think it holds true. I think that maybe this is the perfect storm of timing and availability and a program that, yes, it is in a better shape because of facilities, because of Josh Whitman, and as Brett Bielema said today, the opportunity to bring back some of these seniors next year because of the pandemic kind of a blessing in disguise, right? That you have this terrible thing in 2020, and yet it may lend itself to a quicker rebuild if he can keep this roster intact, go out to the transfer market, and hopefully, there's going to be a rebuild of some kind, but hopefully avoid that prolonged three-year rebuild that can be so taxing and, and really just take the momentum out of it right before you have any sort of success. So overall, a good day for Illinois football. We'll talk about Illinois basketball later too, because I got to be honest, yesterday's podcast, it was a rough one to get through. And I think I entered it with not a great attitude. I don't know if you ever wake up in this year of all years and you're just not feeling it, right? And I think that was one of those days. On Sunday, I wasn't in the mood for much of anything. And then the game really got out of hand. And then I spent about half of it pissing and moaning about Mulcahy, which that guy still annoys me. And I stand by my comment that he's, he's a doofus, pretty much. But regardless, you lost to a really good Rutgers team in the moment it was hard to see the forest for the trees. I was thinking, oh my God, this kind of sucks, right? And there are parts of it that do, but we will talk about Illinois basketball and how we can recalibrate expectations and still achieve all those goals that we hope that they can this year. And there's an eight-game stretch coming up where I think that they can do just that. Before we get too far into this, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. You can get any topping you want in your calzone. Maybe not any, but they got like 35, 40 different options. And best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So as you are hunkering down this holiday season, let them bring a piping hot calzone to your door. $5 calzones with coupon code Mike, $6 premium and construction zones with coupon code Mike at dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, renters, business, you name it. Brian and his staff, they can get you hooked up with State Farm prices. And as Kara and I can attest, great personalized service. It was such a seamless process as we moved into our new home. Thanks to Brian and his great staff. So go to brianismyguy.com for all that information. That's brianismyguy.com. And Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. You may be cutting it close for the whole Christmas present thing, but this basketball season, we got a ways to go. So why not just order some swag for yourself or for somebody else? Get your new lucky shirt because Illini fans, we need to find our lucky shirt. We need to find it quick. 
I'm going through my rotation of fourth and Kirby shirts. I think I will find a solution to this lucky shirt problem on Wednesday when they play Penn State. We'll do a second half podcast for that as well. But fourthandkirby.com, use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. I about said the relaunch, but we are 115 episodes, I think, since the relaunch last August. And a lot of things have happened. And if you think about August 2019, when Brightweiser and I kicked it off again, Lovey Smith was entering his fourth year, which would ultimately lead to a bowl game, unexpectedly so. Then you had Brad Underwood start off fairly unimpressively through November and December before rattling off a bunch of wins in the Big Ten. So we had two seasons, football and basketball last year, that went against our expectations, or at least gave you expectations early that made you think, oh God, where is this thing going? And then they subverted them and actually had fairly successful seasons given the expectations for both of those programs. Now this year was different because you entered with expectations for both football and basketball. Football, of course, did not live up to them, even though I had meager expectations. They still did not even get close to living up to it. And so far, basketball, I think they'll be okay. I don't know how good, but they haven't lived up to it either. And we so badly, as Illini fans and sports fans and just people in this year of all years, wanted to have our cake and eat it too. I wanted to get greedy and talk about Big Ten titles for basketball, maybe five and three for football, because I assumed that Lovey was going to come back regardless. Thank goodness he didn't. But it is one of those years that as we look back on 2020 for Illinois sports, one of the most tumultuous years outside of all these external factors with the pandemic. And Josh Whitman, to his credit, I have to say that Illinois steered the ship pretty well. That goes to the university level, but also down the athletic department. With this pandemic, they handled it early and they had all their ducks in a row. And it was really no fault of their own that the Big Ten football season got all messed up. And the game against Ohio State, that wasn't on Illinois. They played every game. They played every game that they could have, at least. Kudos to them for keeping things under control. And for basketball, too, I I hope that the early results in terms of not having COVID tests and all that, that continues as well so we can get on a roll and and, and get some momentum going with that. But it was, (laughs) I was about to quote, actually, something that happened back at Lovey's press conference. Back at Lovey's press conference, we were watching it in the studio and getting all the audio, and Stevie asked a question, and he said, you're a tall drink of water in, in this desert of Illini fandom, something like that. And, you know, my eyes rolled out the back of my head when I heard that. But, you know, Brett Bielema, I actually think kind of is, to borrow that phrase from five years ago. I think Brett Bielema might actually be that tall drink of water. And that sounds, I know, a little bit fanboy. I I get it. My Twitter handle is true today. I am buying stock on this thing. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And the press conference did not hurt matters. I was struck, as I mentioned in the introduction, by what I viewed to be a sincere tone from Brett Bielema. And I didn't feel as if I was getting sold anything. There were anecdotes that I'm sure he thought up beforehand. Being born in Illini Hospital, who knew there'd be a hospital called Illini Hospital, talking about his in-state connections. But then he talks about his family and how he wishes they'd be proud of him and all that kind of stuff. And he's getting choked up. And I'm like, okay, only a sociopath could fake that. I don't think this is fake. I think this guy is genuinely gracious for getting this opportunity. And to feel as if a coach is taking this job and wants it and wants to succeed because he's got something to prove that 
he didn't do at Arkansas, his last college football coaching gig. That leads me to think that we're going to get the best of Brett Bielema, right? We're going to get his full concerted effort here. And already, that is a far cry from what you got with the last coaching regime. Regime is such a serious word. I don't know if I should use that. That sounds like very militaristic or something. But you did not get that consistently from Lovey and his staff. And all these stories that continue to come out, and don't worry, we aren't going to talk about Lovey, but it, it is just remarkable how you know arrogance is one thing. And I know that Robert from Lion and I mentioned this in an article last week, that he thought Lovey's whole problem was that he couldn't care less. Not so much laziness, but that he couldn't care less. He wasn't going to schmooze. And I argued it was both. Well, I think that Brett Bielema cares, and I don't think he's going to be lazy. So you mix those two, and all, you're already ahead of the curve compared to where you were the last five years. And to think that Lovey, I'm not going to say almost made it work because we saw this year that team was still a long ways away, but he still was able, in this very roundabout patchwork way, able to get enough guys that if he were a decent college coach, they probably would have won some games this year. So I'm thinking, okay, it can be done here. In a weird way, the Lovey experiment tells me that, you know, on one hand, it should tell me, like Lon had said so often on 93.5, if it doesn't work with Lovey, it's probably not going to work with anybody. But now that we're finding out just how poorly executed that thing was and how it almost worked, I think, wait a second, competent coaching can work here. It can. We just haven't had it. And if there's one thing we cannot say about, about Brett Bielma, you see, I've got the BRs and the BOs mixed up there, a brout. If there's one thing we can not say about Brett Bielema, it's that he's an incompetent coach. We know he's not. We know that he's competent. We know that the Arkansas thing maybe not, didn't work as well as they had hoped, but there were still nuggets of a competent coach in there. Hopefully lessons learned. What those lessons are, I'm not sure exactly, because without that institutional knowledge of what happened in Arkansas, it's difficult to explain how they could have won seven, eight, and seven, and then four and eight. But we do know, as we look at especially, I think, his second or third team that won eight games and could have damn near won 10, that they were competing in an SEC West with a top five Mississippi State, a top 10 Ole Miss, top 10, of course, Alabama and Auburn. You're looking at a loaded division. And they were competing for about two, three years with the best in that division. You don't get that in the Big Ten West. Not to mention that he knows, Brett Bielema knows what the Big Ten West is all about. So I mix all those things in. I think the win losses, I think the overall record and the on-field success, it will be there compared to what we've had. Okay. I have no doubts about that. The question is, will there be anything to get in the way? Because as Illini fans, we keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when things feel too good to be true, often they are. Lovey was a great example of that where we were like, how did we get this guy? And then, of course, it's too good to be true. We got that guy, and it ultimately was just kind of a failed experiment as opposed to you know, the guy with the high ceiling that I and many assume Lovey would be. But no, I think this is different because you have raised the floor. You've raised the basement because you have a competent coach that has that experience and knowledge of how to operate in the Big Ten West. And he was talking so much about his Big Ten West connections today. The Iowa Hayden Fry thing, of course, being up at Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez, the seven or eight years that he was at Wisconsin really made it into his own program. And we're already hearing, too, just how much effort he's putting into reaching out to other coaches in the state, how he's going to be working in the Midwest. You know, we can assume that he's not going to be a Ron Zook-like recruiter. I think that's a safe assumption. That was a once-in-a-lifetime deal, getting an ace recruiter like Zook that did very well for about three or four years on the recruiting trail. 
but you are going to consistently get middle-of-the-pack Big Ten recruiting classes. That might be eighth. That might be ninth. It's not probably going to be first, second, or third. But that's enough. That's enough to win here. It was enough for him to win at Wisconsin. He was getting, on average, the seventh or eighth best recruiting classes in the conference at Wisconsin and winning well into his eight years that he was up there. I keep saying seven or eight. I need to probably get that right in terms of how many years. 2006 through 2013 or 12. 2012, so six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's seven seasons. There's another thing, though, that has been the big lightning rod with Brett Bimola, and that's his personality. I've been talking about the sincere tone that he had and the gracious nature of this press conference, but he still is a fairly gregarious personality. He's a big personality, and he's not afraid to joke around. He might say some things that fall flat, but at least he's going to say some things, and he's not going to play it all close to the vest. And if we're talking about hires being a reaction to the previous guy, this is one example of such where you have a personality that is night and day different from Lovey Smith. To me, it's probably all the more refreshing because of what we went through the last five years. This is from Brett Bielema. I'm going to kind of go off Jeremy's timeline here and read some of the bits that Jeremy was tweeting out today because I, I was unable to take notes. It was during my lunch, and I'm kind of watching the press conference on the computer, and I'm doing some school stuff on the other. But here are just some quotes from Brett Bielema that I'll, I'll react to from Jeremy's Twitter timeline, at jwarner247. So Brett Bielema was talking about his confidence. It was a good question from someone in the media row. He said, I think I'll always be confident. I don't mind walking into a room and letting people know it. But he said that he also has learned a lot about how to be more even-keeled from professional coaches. And I think that it will be interesting to find that balance, right? To watch Brett Bielema here now that this is his third major college head coaching gig and to see how do you toe that line between confident, downright cocky, right? PJ Fleckian to the more wise old sage of a coach. Because if you think about it, 50 years old is not old, right? It's, it's not at all. This guy could be here for 20, 25 years if he had success. That's how young he is. But it is, uh, it's old in terms of college coaching. There are a few, if any, guys in the Big Ten that have already done it for, what, 12 seasons at this level. And he has. So he does talk about how he grow, how he has grown, I'm sorry. Um, and he said that, let's see here, going through a few other things, that he uh, said, we're going to build this baby up the way it needs to be done. He wants to have success as fast as he can, but he doesn't want to skip steps. Now that, if you recall, is pretty similar to what Lovey was talking about in his opening press conference. Here's the difference. Brett Bielema, if not seeing rebuilds himself or executing them himself, he knows what needs to be done to raise the floor of a college football program, namely line play, of course, being able to run the ball. I know those sound like such cliches at the Big Ten level, but so often as Illini fans, I think that we've th thought we need the outside-the-box hire. We need our own Joe Tiller, unorthodox coach, because the standard stuff wouldn't work here. And I think my argument has been for a while that it's okay to be boring, right? If It's okay to be boring and just good enough at the basic things, because that's how Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern have gotten to where they are at. Despite not having great talent, they do the very basic, boring things well. Iowa, Wisconsin, same exact thing. And you find the teams in the gutter, like Illinois and Purdue, and to a lesser extent, Minnesota, they are the teams that never quite master that. They make the mistakes. They get in their own way. And it's almost like if Brett Bielema can just establish a program where we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, 
automatically we're talking like 500 level football program. Think about it. Think about all the times in the Lovey era or well before that where Illinois just shoots themselves in the foot. That's kind of what we do. And if you can just get a coach and a culture in here that doesn't do that, it might be vanilla. It might be at times boring, but that's okay because guess what? You aren't bored if you're going seven and five or eight and four. I can make all the jokes I want to about Wisconsin and how they annoy the hell out of me or how Iowa, same sort of thing. And Kirk Ferentz has even had a few lean years up there, but his lean years are six and six, seven and five. Can you imagine if that is our lean year? We'd be disappointed. After a while, we get disappointed with that. Expectations change. You always want more as a fan, but can you imagine our lean years not being two and 10? Because that, unfortunately, that's the floor. And Brett Bielema, to me, seems like someone that can get you out of that. A few other things here. Brett Bielema immediately had coaches and players reach out to him to transition to Illinois, but he's going to talk to the current players and staff now, and he's going to reach out to signees this week. I don't know if there's going to be any coaching staff that is retained. I made a sort of off-color joke after the special teams for Illinois sucked on Saturday. I mean, listen, they every aspect of Illinois sucked on Saturday for the most part. But And I said, well, this is probably not going to help Ligashevsky get retained as the special teams coach. Jeremy made a good point in replying that, you know, he's done a decent job as a special teams coach, but I would be surprised if you don't clean house. And if there is one guy that Brett Bielema keeps, I suppose it would be Corey Patterson for the St. Louis connection. But when you have coaching changes like this, I recall when you could have kept Vic Coning, and that would have been one example where Tim Beckman would have been smart to do so. I don't think you go two and 10 if you have Vic Coning come back with that defense maybe four and eight. I'm not saying you would have been good, but you wouldn't have sucked quite as bad. But in this case, let's turn the page. I think he turned the page on as much as he can, and I would be surprised if that's the direction he's going to go, even though he did say that he will talk to these guys and give them a chance. Uh, He also continues, he wants the current roster to know my priority is them, met with two-thirds of the current staff today. And uh, Brett Beamless said that he knows where he wants to go as a staff, but it's all about the process there. He did say that he hoped to have a staff in place by early January. He goes on. This is, again, from Jeremy's timeline. And thank you, Jeremy, for getting these up there because this is about the time during the press conference where I had to get back to work off my lunch break. Bielma said they'll have an eight-week program to install their schemes mentally and physically, and then we'll have spring ball. So I guess if that timing holds, you're looking at February to begin that eight-week program. This goes back, though, uh, this quote that Jeremy has on his timeline to my overall impression with today and why I'm excited. Brett Bielema said, to have my own ship again, to build it with the way I know how to have success is extremely rewarding. And I'm trying to think of anything in my life, and you can think about something that happened in your life, where you work hard for something and the first go of it, it doesn't quite work out, right? Uh, Or maybe the second time, you, you know, it doesn't quite work out, whatever it may be. And then maybe some time passes and you get another shot at it. And I I guess for me, something like that would be, oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, in a way, this podcast kind of is because the radio thing ended at 93.5. And even though this is a different kind of beast than going on and doing a daily show every afternoon, it is mine, right? I own it. This is my thing. And because of that, I have that much more of an oomph behind it than I even probably did at 93.5 when Lon and I got that afternoon show. I mean, Lon already had it, but to be able to take Jeremy's spot and Jeremy took the morning, I was excited about that. But there is this sort of thing about life that you need to experience, I think, 
if not failures, you need to experience missteps. You need to experience being told no or getting fired or, or going through these sort of things that everyone goes through at some point in order to get better at your craft, whatever that may be. Everyone needs a slice of humble pie. Maybe that's what the Arkansas thing was for him. Now, without getting too philosophical or anything, I think it's reasonable to assume that 50-year-old Brett Bielma, someone that had success before, and I think will have some level of success again, even if it's moderate here, okay? He's too good of a football coach to just outright suck, I think. Take it one level further. What if this is the job? More than Arkansas, because that was the SEC, bright lights, all that. What if this job at this point in his life is the perfect fit? And a lot of you probably know what that is, right? You, you maybe crave to be someplace, you, you have a job interview and you really want that. You don't get it, some time passes, and then you get another job and you're glad that you didn't have that opportunity that presented itself first, right? It wouldn't have been right, despite how excited you were for it. By waiting, by being patient, you got the gig that ultimately worked out the best. I'm not saying that's what is going to happen. I'm not going to say that Brett Bielema is the cure-all for a football program that has been in the gutter for basically my entire life. I'm not going to say that. But I am going to say that he gives you the best opportunity of any coaching hire in my lifetime to do that based on what he's done before. And the variables here, the intangible qualities, are the fact that he is older and that maybe he is wiser. This goes to the character thing that I'm going to close with. I said on Saturday, and I, I mean this, I do, as callous as this may sound, the character thing to me is secondary. Winning is primary. And Josh Whitman said all the right things about integrity and character and all that today, and he said that after they had fired Lovey. Understandable. And being a University of Illinois alum, I don't want to go out there and bring in maybe Lane Kiffin, who just seems to have smoke around him wherever he goes. The U of I is bigger than that. The U of I is bigger than its football program. That might sound a little hoity-toity, but that is where I can understand the character and integrity argument. But I have to be honest. The character stuff being you know, thrown against Bielema, it's a lot of smoke and not a lot of substance. I had a friend who's a Buckeyes fan, and, and he had sent me an article on Saturday night when I had tweeted out, could someone give me a concrete example about this character issue this major flaw that I keep hearing about with Brett Bielma. And the story, to paraphrase, was that while at Arkansas, he had called, I think, Ohio State. It was a stud recruit. And he said, hey, just want to let you know he committed. Sorry about that. And then the kid said, no, I didn't commit. And then Ohio State was pissed off about it. Okay, whatever, whatever. And I had no visible reaction to it. And it wasn't because, oh, my God, Brett Bielma's our coach, and I'm just going to excuse him of everything. But it was because, as a college football fan, as a college sports fan, I already assume that those things happen, right? And if that's the extent of the character thing, I can live with that. There have been, of course, rumors of, oh man, he likes to party and just kind of like Bo Ryan back at Wisconsin. Oh, maybe there was a co-ed something rather. The guy's 50, the guy's got a wife, he's got two young kids. Unless I see something substantial, I can't make these sort of accusations, veiled as they may be, about someone's character. You know, maybe that's one of the few things I remember from journalism school because I never got a job at a newspaper or anything. But it seems to me, as far as journalistic integrity is concerned, you wouldn't run with that story. I know why there's whispers. I know why we laugh at the picture of Brett Bielema. I think he was at a, a bar in Florida or something. He's shirtless. He's got his big beer belly and all that. He even made a joke today, self-deprecating, about his weight. 
He says, yes, I've grown a lot in some in, in the worst places too. And I think he was making a weight reference. And he said, I need to get a, need to get a hold of that. So <laughs> I understand why the initial reaction is, man, why can't he have been this? And you know what it is? Let's be real. It's the physical appearance. It's the physical appearance where even I, back when he was at Wisconsin, thought this guy is just a dude. He's this kind of disheveled looking guy and he's winning all these games and I don't get it. Doesn't look all that polished. How is that possible? But then you hear him talk and you realize, well, this guy's got personality. And then I hear him talk today and I'm like, I don't think this guy's a sociopath or anything. So the character thing, I'm just continuing to look for something that I don't know if it's there. And I think some Illini fans that are leery about this or really verbally against this thing, outwardly so, they keep going to character and I don't know what they mean. If you have any stories about Brett Bielema's character that I should know about, go ahead and contact at Fanboy Carp on Twitter because, hey, I'd be happy to hear it. I'm just saying, <laughs> all this time to be a coach as long as he has, and if you do a Google search, you aren't going to find much other than message board fodder. So, eh, I don't know. Josh Whitman made what is probably the most important hire of his tenure. I, I've said the word tenure about 20 times today, but it's true. His tenure at Illinois. I don't think Brett Bielema not working out means that Josh Whitman's going to get fired. I don't think that's the case. But it is a huge part of his legacy. I don't think Josh Whitman's going to put himself out there to have a double whammy of not winning enough games on the field and he hired a jerk that's got major character issues. I don't think he's going to put himself out there like that in what is the biggest hire of his life. If he really wanted to play it safe, he would have went with Lance Leipold. Nice guy, probably not a damn character issue out there. But would he have had the on-field success? I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't done it at this level, so I have more uncertainty with that than I would have with Brett Bielema. I'm just saying, guys, as Illini fans, and whether you're an alum or not an alum, right, let's not get hoity-toity. Why do we get pissed off at Northwestern? We get pissed off at them because they think they're better than everybody else. They think that their crap doesn't stink. There was a story that I think my dad had told me back in the day when this is probably the Deion Thomas era, maybe the Flying Illini era, and at Northwestern game, their fans are chanting something like, you'll work for us one day. Hoity-toity, Ivy League crap. Now, I don't mind a little blue-collar, rough-around-the-edges kind of vibe around here. I don't want to be Northwestern. I don't want to be Duke. I don't want to get into this, mm, excuse me, that is not how we do it at the University of Illinois. I don't know what accent that was, but you get the point. We don't need to become that. We don't need to be the ones making jokes about other schools' academics. We can just be proud of what we are, but also not pretentious. To me, there's not much anything pretentious about Brett Bielema. And all these character things that we talk about and the personality and the bluster and the brashness, give me bluster and brashness. We need to grow some balls as a football program. We need to. It is remarkable how one of the first thoughts I had today, and it shouldn't have even been about Lovey, but it was how damned boring that whole thing was. It wasn't even fun bad. Beckman was fun bad. He's chewing tobacco on the sideline. He's a blubbering fool, and he makes you laugh when you aren't pulling your hair out because of how bad the football was. Lovey, you couldn't even get that pissed off. I mean, God knows I did, but you couldn't get as pissed off because he was just there. It was a drag. It was boring. And, and sports shouldn't be boring. Your football coach should not be boring. He's got to sell the program and it's not going to work for everybody. 
But at the very least, there needs to be some sort of MO. There needs to be a personality there. So today was refreshing on so many levels. And I'm not, it's probably sounding borderline hyperbolic that, oh man, fanboy carp, he really loves Brett Bielema. I like the hire. I like what I saw today. I'm just saying that it, it seems that the, I don't know, the zeitgeist of Alani Sports Talk has not went all in because of these vague assertions of character flaws or something. And I would just counter that even if he had him, I don't really care. And that on the other hand, he might actually just be a nice guy. That is a possibility. He's just a nice guy. And that, like all of us, if you ask me, I mean, I don't even feel proud about how I acted on yesterday's podcast. Going into this Mulcahy kid who's, you know, 12, 13 years younger than I am, I can't shut up about it because I'm in a bad mood. I'm 34 years old. I'm still figuring things out. You know? So for me to say, well, what he was doing back at Wisconsin when he was in his late 30s, I, I don't know, guys. I, I just don't think that we can handle that here at the University of Illinois. What? No. Give me a break. And the guy wins football games. So I'm pumped. And it will be exciting to see how the staff is rounded out and what direction he goes with that. He does have, according to Jeremy, the Illini Inquirer learned that they have an even larger salary pool to work with for assistance. So this could work out very well. And I'm just happy to know we got a college football coach heading this thing now. Bill Cubitt, nice guy, but never did a power five. Beckman never did a power five. Ron Zook did, but only for three years. And keep in mind, as good as Wisconsin was, that Bielema inherited, he did just as well, if not elevated, what they were doing. Ron Zook at Florida, not the case. They slid when he took over for Spurrier. And why not? Hey, Steve Spurrier, all-timer. That is a crazy high bar for any coach to clear. But again, you knew that the coaching warts were there for Ron Zook. Ron Turner had never done the head coaching college thing. He did a year or two in California before he went to the Bears. I forget, but no, this is different. You know, you would have to go back to Mike White, I believe, to get someone that had as much experience. And keep in mind, Mike White was 35 and 30. And I don't know if he made any Rose Bowls or anything out there, but this is a guy that made three Rose Bowls. And in my life, I think this program has made, yeah, no, in my life, they made one and they made one in 84. And did they make it in 60 or 61? Have they made three Rose Bowls in the last 60 years? And this guy made three in like five. So, <laughs> This is the most qualified person we've hired, and I think that alone, from a wins-losses perspective, should get, get any Illinois fan at least cautiously optimistic that this could work. And I will go with that. Instead of, you know, rabid, like, you know, I think this is going to be a monster success, I am cautiously optimistic that this thing works. Cautiously, because Illinois football always seems to get in the way of best-laid plans but optimistic because the track record would say that this will work, if not to the level of Wisconsin, to a degree that we'll be happy with. And I'm not asking for the moon. I'm just asking for seven, eight wins a year. And maybe we finally got that. Okay, so that is Brett Bielema, Brett's big day. Before we go, I need to talk about Illinois basketball. And I mentioned how yesterday, not my best moment on a podcast. I, I actually kind of regret it. And I didn't even really promote that podcast afterwards. We, we, Put it out on Twitter after the game was over. And then this morning, I put the Saturday podcast up again just because, for one, it was Brett Bielema's press conference. And for another, I who wants to listen to Fanboy Carp just get all ticked off when Illinois loses a game? That actually was not a fun second half to watch. It wasn't. 
we talk about recalibrating expectations, and I have always harped on this, especially with basketball, because of how fluid a season can be. I need to start, though, by saying you can be frustrated at this team. And I think there are many reasons why you should be frustrated at what we've seen so far, because you're seeing other teams with similar levels of veteran leadership. They are not having the same transitional part of the season where they're still learning how to be tough. There are too many old guys on this team to be doing that crap. And whether that be DeMonte and Io, Kofi, because he was a starter his entire freshman year, Trent, you know, they're all individually doing things that make you think, okay, but the, there's no cohesion and the overall toughness of the team, not to use the word toughness to the level of John Gross, but it's true. You got out toughed by Missouri and by Rutgers. And he could have won either of those games. And is it an effort thing? I think a little bit. That's, that's the scary thing. It's, it would have been one thing to lose to Rutgers in Missouri just because they were red hot on each of those nights. And darn it, it's a game on the road. That's going to happen. Those are easier pills to swallow. And I'm trying to think of a game last year. You know, okay, here's one. At Maryland was not a toughness thing. That was a really good Maryland team that made a comeback. You just weren't able to sustain the lead. And that team had the benefit of the excuse of being even younger than this one. At least the IO, the Kofi parts, a year younger, okay? That hurt, but it didn't feel like we got out-toughed or we got punked. That was a supremely talented Maryland team. And guess what? Rutgers, they're supremely talented. I mean, they are a top 10 caliber team. Missouri is borderline top 10 right now. And they're playing like it. So there's no shame in losing those games. That's not it. It's the manner in which you've lost them. Because of that toughness, and I mentioned the lack of cohesion, something ain't right. And we talked about this last November, December, and it very well may be that Brad Underwood's going to follow the Tom Izzo school, where... It never looks all that great November, December. And look at last night, Michigan State loses on the road to Northwestern. That's a bad loss. That's going to haunt them. Losing at Rutgers probably won't haunt this Illinois team. But I, I do wonder, when does that switch flip? And is it gradual? Or is it kind of overnight, like last year, when they lost by 20 points at Michigan State? Then they came home and beat Purdue by 25 or 30. And then they were on their way. So which is it going to be? It could start Wednesday night. We've seen this team respond well after losses all year. So after Baylor, they beat Duke. After Missouri, they smoked Minnesota. So after Rutgers, do they win on the road against Penn State? Not going to be the easiest task, but I will say this. If this is a top 20 team, and more importantly, if this is a team that we want to talk about as a Big Ten contender, they got to win on Wednesday. And it's not must win for making the tournament. It's not must win for making that run to the Final Four. All those things can still happen, but... That's a crapshoot. That's a single elimination tournament. Someone on, on Twitter yesterday asked me when I mentioned the word title, you're talking national or conference? I'm talking conference because that is something that over 20 games, the best team will win that conference title. Unless there's injuries and things like that. Of course, that's a factor. But more often than not, the best team wins the Big Ten title. I know 89 was an exception. You don't need to remind me. That was the Kendall Gill injury, right? That basically kept you from winning that. So this team can still accomplish all these goals. And they got an eight-game stretch in which, I know this might sound a little bit ridiculous, but I'm going to approach this as go 8-0, and then we can talk Big Ten title again. I am freeing myself of the weight of a fan, okay, thinking the next four weeks that, oh, God, I hope we win the Big Ten title. I hope we win the Big Ten title. No, I, I'm going to go into wait-and-see mode again. And that's kind of a defense mechanism. 
It's kind of so I can watch the games like I did last year with less skin in the game and let this team build me back up to that point of caring as much as I did, let's say, going into the Maryland game at home last year or going into the Iowa game. when At the end of the year, Illinois had won a few games to show us that, yes, they were a legit, really good NCAA tournament team, right? It, it, after that slide, what they lost four out of five games against Maryland, Michigan State, Rutgers. Then they won at Penn State. They got us back, right? They earned it. Well, they're going to have to do that over the next eight games, and they can. At Penn State on Wednesday, Indiana at home on Saturday, Purdue at home, at Northwestern, Maryland at home, at Nebraska, Ohio State at home, Penn State at home. That's your schedule through January 20th. Now, Jeremy texted me yesterday because he, <laughs> he saw the tweet. And then I mentioned it on the, I, I thought of this on the podcast that you go eight and oh, and I'm, I think we can start talking Big Ten title again. Now, of course you could, because at that point, you'd be nine and one in conference. Can there be a slip in that? Of course, there, there can be. But I think more than just, okay, what is the overall record here? Eight and oh, or seven and one. If you go worse than seven and one in the schedule, I don't think you're winning the title, despite what Michigan State went through last night. I think the Iowas of the world and the Wisconsin's of the world, they're going to have enough consistency to finish around 15 and five. And maybe one team might even finish 16 and four. That, if anyone, would probably be Iowa because of that offense. But yeah, I think you got to go eight and zero or seven and one if we're going to start talking Big Ten title again. And we'll know Wednesday night. You know, it's like you never want to point to a game on December 23rd and say, "Well, that's it." But I do think that if we're looking at this season as a special one, what are the different avenues to having a special season? Merely replicating last season's success—that is not going to feel special. Making the tournament, finishing fourth in the Big Ten, what it would then require is making a deep run in the tournament. And I don't want to take my chances with that. I want the tournament to be a cherry on top. No, I want the Big Ten title. Because then you put that in your back pocket, you enter the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, and it's all gravy for me at that point. Of course, you'd be disappointed with an early exit, but you'd be far more disappointed with an early exit if you don't have any banners to show for it beforehand. So the frustration with this team so far is knowing that they can do it. We saw it the first half of the Rutgers game yesterday. When they're going, they are looking good. But when they just lose that focus, it starts on the defensive end, and then it just feeds into the rest of their performance. And I know there was a six-point swing. That sucks. I couldn't tell from the replay if DeMonte's elbow really hit him. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But eventually, getting called for 25 fouls a game, three games in a row, or in all your losses, I forget which one it is, but that's a trend. You're fouling too much. I, I could get frustrated at Wisconsin for the fact that they never get called for fouls, but eventually that's a trend, and it's not like a conspiracy by all the officials to make sure that Wisconsin only has 12,000 a game. No, they're finding a way to play their defense without getting those calls made, and Illinois hasn't yet, and they're too old to be this dumb, and that's that's it. You know, like we talked last year, I remember having these texts with, Trevor, that, God, is this team dumb? Because if you, re- if you think back to November, December, it kind of felt that way. The Miami game where you go down at home by 26 or something, are these guys not very smart basketball IQ? What's going on here? And then you see them fumble and flail with the ball out there on the court. I know they play a fairly fast-paced game, but we are still turning the ball over too much. There are too many messy parts of this team for me to just say there's one thing they got to do and then it'll be all good. They got a lot of things to fix, but they're fortunate that they have enough talent where they can overcome some of those things in individual games. And hopefully over these next eight, they find that cohesiveness that when you go into that brutal stretch, 
the Michigan State, Iowa, Michigan. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think where the rest of them are, and I could look that up real quick if it'll get me to that quick enough. But, yeah, you're looking at a stretch after the next date where you are basically, you hope to be in a position to win a Big Ten title. That's at Michigan State on the 23rd of January, Iowa at home, at Indiana, Wisconsin at home, at Michigan. Going to that 9-1, and one, I guess 8-2. and two. And yeah, you got a shot. But that is a position where, gosh, if you go 500 in that, and you know there's going to be a game or two that you, you slip and you fall and you shouldn't have lost, but you did. There is some good news here. The three losses that you have this year are to teams that are currently undefeated and are all in the top 12 in the AP. So, yeah, you've lost to good teams. Well, you've lost to arguably great teams. Well, at least a great one in Baylor. But here's the counter to that. If you yourself were great, you would have won one of those, right? If you were great at the moment, you would have won one of those. I think Scott Ritchie had tweeted out today, and I agree with this, that he had Illinois around 20, and he said, I could maybe have them lower with the way they're playing right now. I don't disagree with that. They certainly are not a top five team like they were early. And they certainly are not top 10 right now, but we see flashes of why they could be. And that's what I'm hoping these next games show us. The schedule gets lighter. You don't play a team as good as Rutgers again until you play Michigan State on the 23rd. And a lot of these tough matchups are at home, like in Indiana. Indiana's playing decent right now. You get them at home. And we're finding out the home court still matters. We're finding out still matters for sure because the Minnesota game, you beat them by, what, 25-plus points? at home. And I don't know if you go on a run like that if you're at the Williams or Williams Arena up there, the barn, whatever it's called, fans or not. I, I just don't think that happens. So you got an opportunity. I think that they can get out of this okay, but I'm not going to do the laudatory podcast until they show me something more consistently. And that means not winning one and then losing the next and then rebounding and then having another flat performance. There has got to be more consistency and more urgency because I love Io. I do. And he's one of the best players I've ever seen here, but all the other best players, the ones that I look back on, they have a banner that they can talk about. Frank Williams never made a final four, but he won two big 10 titles. Brian cook. He won two big 10 titles in the big 10 tournament title. D Brown, Darren Williams, you know what they did. You go back to the 98 team. Why do we remember, guys, of course, Matt Heldman and, and the sad aftermath after he left here, but Chris Gandy, Jerry Hester, Brian Johnson, why do we, uh, Kevin Turner? You remember that starting lineup because they won a Big Ten title. And I don't want to have the season come and go, as unorthodox as it is, and not be able to look back on, ah, yeah, the 2021 Big Ten title team. Or even, I'll take this, I know it's not quite as cool, but the 2021 Big Ten Tournament title team. Yeah, they didn't win the regular season title, but then they took it in Indy. Right? We, we look for these things. They aren't just banners. They are these sort of benchmarks for how great that team was. And I hope that they can accomplish those things so that we can put this and lump this in with all the other great teams of the past. Even if they won a national title or not, I don't expect that. But you know what? Give me something. And also for this team and everything that they have to do, not seeing friends and family, really just kind of living in their own bubble, for all the sacrifices they're making, I hope for their sake, they get on the other end of the season with something to show for it, more than just, oh, you finished fourth or fifth in the Big Ten and you made the tournament. Hey, you know, Lon and I often joked about how nice it'd be to get back to the point of, 
oh man, are we going to be a four or five seed in the tournament again? I think that's probably where this team ends up. But give me something more with that. Please, please, because it's been so long and this team, I think ultimately, is too good to not do that. It would be unfulfilled potential if they fall short of that. All right, that's it for tonight's podcast. It is Monday evening. Didn't anticipate doing one, but Brett Bielema got me all pumped up and I felt like I had to kind of rethink how I approach this Illinois basketball team and do a better, more coherent job than what I did on that podcast yesterday. And that's the problem with Zoom is that, you know, when we do these second half post-game sort of things that we're, we're really just kind of shooting it to one another and, and letting us share our thoughts, almost interview style. I miss being able to be in the basement with those guys or when we're on the other side of this, having them come to the actual Sunroom studio and doing it, watching it right in front of us. But Isaac and Trevor were great, and they had to be the cooler heads yesterday as the 34-year-old Carp was getting all ticked off about that Mulcahy kid. I need to learn how to chill. I've gotten better, but I'm still perfecting that. Uh, But I appreciate all the support. If you want to help us out, rate or review us. Apple Podcasts, I know they have that option. Maybe some other podcast apps do, but it is a huge help to get those ratings and reviews. Helps us appear whenever whenever someone searches Illini. And uh, thank you for all the kind words and the feedback and the interactions. Really enjoy that. And it's been a busy year so far, and it's only going to get busier with all these basketball games and hopefully what is ultimately a successful basketball season. All right, before we go, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code, uh, I about said DP Doe. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones or $6 premium in construction zones. And best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. That's at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code needed. You get State Farm prices and tremendous personalized service. That's brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their support as well and appreciate you listening. We'll be back on Wednesday night for our Christmas slash Penn State extravaganza. Let's get a win. Let's go to two and one in the Big Ten. Feel okay going in the Christmas holiday with Indiana coming into town on the 26th. I'll take it. And hey, I think we got a football coach. I'm excited. I hope you are. And if not, I'll talk you into it. Don't worry. All right. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. It is the 200 level.